Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I want to talk to you tonight about something that we don't often talk about. Uh, we talk about being born again. We talk about being saved. And those are words that Pentecostals and a lot of Christians just throw around. And so much so that oftentimes they don't even remember saying them. But I was really taken by what Paul called the church in the 12th chapter, verse 23. He said to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men, made perfect. Now, there's a whole lot in that verse. It's the general assembly of the ecclesia, the called out ones, also referred to in the Bible as the body of Christ, but now referred to as the church of the firstborn. And to men who were not perfect, but were made perfect. Do you feel perfect? No, I don't think you are. But do you know that the blood of Christ is perfect? And he's completed a perfect work. And that perfect work applied to my life is a, the one perfect thing that I've got. It's perfect. So uh, tonight, Lord, just use the word of God to spark something in our minds and hearts. In your name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. When we talk about the firstborn, now most of us taught Bible study and uh, been in Bible studies before. We've talked a little bit about Jacob and Esau, and yes, I'm going to go visit them tonight. But the firstborn goes way back. We can get into the book of Genesis with Jacob and the, the blessings of being the firstborn. And in Deuteronomy, the 21st chapter, verse 17, it talks a little bit about the rights of the firstborn. It says, when he wills his property to his sons, he must not give the rights of the firstborn to the sons of the wife he loves in preference to his actual firstborn the son of the wife he does not love. Now, as I talk to you tonight, I'd like you to do me a favor. I want you to let your mind wander and think about Israel and its relationship to the church. Now let me read that again. And he, when he wills his property to his sons, he must not give the rights of the firstborn to the son of the wife he loves in preference to his actual firstborn, the son of the wife he does not love. He must acknowledge the son of his unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double share of all he has. That son is the first sign of his father's strength. The right of the firstborn belongs to him. You'll want to go back and read that a couple times. Because it seems that sometimes as you read it over again, God points something else out to you. Who was it that God chose initially? Who was the love of his life? Israel. He called them forth from Egypt. He, he called a man named Jacob. He gave him the birthright. It was a people beloved of God. But now, who's the firstborn? The church. We're the church of the firstborn. He says, now as much as you like to give it to the first wife of the one that you love, now the second wife was the world, so to speak. We came forth from the world. And God says, even though you despise the world, you've got to give that birthright to the one it belongs to. Now I'm going to go from there, and we're going to sort of build a bridge tonight. 
Colossians, the first chapter, verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. One of the things that the firstborn gets is supremacy in the household. He gets a double portion. He becomes the head of the house, and everyone else rules under him, or not rules under him, is under his authority. Jesus was the firstborn from the dead. In other words, in this family that we call the church, not only is he the head of the body, but he's the firstborn. Now, let me show, how, show you how we fit into this picture. In Revelation 1 and 5, I want to read this before I get to that other one. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So we'll find references over and over again that he's the firstborn. And that as that firstborn, his brethren are going to worship him. Now, when you look at Revelation and you see it says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's Lord, it's the law of the firstborn. Remember uh, Joseph's dream? How people would come and worship him? And so even with, and I'm jumping ahead of myself just a hair, but even when Israel or Isaac blessed Jacob, he said that his brethren would come down and bow before him. The blessing of the firstborn. Now, how do I fit in to the firstborn? How, how is it Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn out of the law. The law was our schoolmaster, brought us up to the church age. He's the firstborn into grace or into a, a, a holy body called the church. But how do I get in to that body? He is the head of the body, the church. Now Colossians 3.3 3 says... For you died. Romans 6 says you were buried with him in baptism. You don't bury people that are not dead. You died in repentance. You were buried in water. And then if you read the rest of that verse, and your life is now where? It's hidden with Christ in God. We have become part of the body of Christ. If the hand, remember how you referred to the body? How can the hand say the foot that he's not the hand? We're all fitly framed together into the body, the visible manifestation of Christ here on the earth. That's why Paul says to us, we're the firstborn, the church of the firstborn. I'm going to show you a couple things tonight that maybe help you understand why you're not liked by the world so much. Most of the other brothers don't like the firstborn. It's a double portion. He is the head of the family. Well, we're all the same. No, we're not the same. We're all born by the same mother. No, yes, we are, but we're not the same. The firstborn has rights that none of the other boys in the family have. Let's go back to Genesis, the 25th chapter. Now we're going to go back and we're going to look at a little bit of a problem that developed but actually exemplifies the privilege and the importance of the firstborn. Do you think this topic is important to the Lord? 
I can only think of a few times in Scripture where God said that he hated something. I mean, he just came out and said that he actually hated a person. Can you think of a time? Yeah, we can. Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. Why did he hate Esau when other people sinned just like Esau sinned? Because Esau did something that God found unpardonable. He despised something that was pure and holy, and that was the, the privilege of the birthright. Now, when we talk about regeneration, and we talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in his Jesus' name, we need to understand that's, that's just not an, an act of obedience. That is a privilege that is given unto a, a select group of people that follow God's word and have accepted something as a gift that is more precious than anything else. The birthright. All right, Genesis 20... Where was I? Gen Genesis 25. And I'm going to start with verse 19. Well, I'm going to start with verse 23. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. Now, I, from even before the birth, notice what the Lord is speaking. He says, One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now, the law of the firstborn did not originate with this family. Not by any means. But he's saying in this situation, the younger is going to, the older is going to serve the younger, even before their birth. It says, so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there was twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. That's a typical male-female thing there, isn't it? He liked Esau because of food. Men will do most anything for food. And most women know that. Now Jacob cooked a stew and Esau came in from the field and he saw he was weary and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew for I'm weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. Esau in history becomes the father of the Edomites. I want you to remember that because we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Now look at Esau. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is, it, is this birthright to me? If he's about to die, why is he talking? Why is he... He walked into the camp where he was cooking the stew. He was more concerned about the temporal things of life at the moment than he was about things that were spiritually to be given in time. Now, this is something of a spirit that gets into the church, just like it got into Esau. That's why we have to be aware of it. Sometimes we forget about the blessings of the firstborn and we push them aside because we want the things that are present. But the Bible tells me that I'm not to love this world, neither the things of this world. For if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But I live in the world. He says, yes, you do. 
but your home is not in the world. Yes, you're here, but don't focus on the temporal. Look for the eternal. But Esau was a man of the moment. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Now notice how Moses pins these words. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Well, let's bring it back down to earth. How, could, how does that relate to us? Lord, I, I want to serve you. I know there are blessings, but not now. I'm going to come to God later. Right now, I want to satisfy the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eye, the pride in my life. I want to satisfy the temporal. I have no desire, I'm, not, I'm just saying figuratively, of course, this is the old man speaking. I have no desire to please God at this moment because the birthright is a gift given by God, a precious gift. It would almost be like me going out and spending every nickel I have and selling my house and gathering all the money I could to buy a gift for someone that I love, something that I think is more valuable than they could ever have, and them saying, eh, what's for supper? Ever have that happen? Yeah. I think more than once we've had that happen where we've, we've tried to give something precious and it's been disrespected. All sins shall be forgiven man but one sin. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The birthright was a type of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? It's God's Spirit. God is a Holy Spirit. And that birthright was a type of, in this situation, of Esau despising God. I can only think of one place in Scripture uh, where Jesus warned people in his ministry that they were getting close to blasphemy of the Spirit. Can you think of the time in Scripture where he corrected them? Be careful. That's where the Scripture said, all sin shall be forgiven, man. But blasphemy of the Spirit shall not. What had happened before he made that statement, statement was people were saying that his disciples were casting out spirits by the prince of Beelzebub. They were actually saying that the, the disciples were operating under the authority of Satan. And he said, be careful what you say about the Spirit of God, about the presence of God, because you can get away with some other things in life. But one thing that you will never get away with, and that is blasphemy against the purity and holiness of God. He despised his birthright. And like I said earlier, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. But wait a second. Didn't Jacob lie? He did. In the 27th chapter, when we get there, we're going to find out that he told a lie. He deceived his father. All sins shall be forgiven, men. God was able to overlook those sins, but when it comes to his purity, that's a place to walk very carefully. When I go to the 27th chapter, let's just go a page back here. I want to show you another thing that's part of the birthright. Do you know there's two parts of the birthright? Since we don't do that in our culture, when the firstborn received his inheritance, his double portion, 
not only did he receive the double portion, but he also received the blessing. And it was a special blessing only given to the firstborn. So it was two parts. You got a double portion of all the financial, the land and all that other stuff, and the oxen and that, but you also got a blessing. Not only does Esau lose his, his birthright, but Jacob steals his blessing as well. And we're going to see that in the 27th chapter, and we're going to see the difference between the two. Um, where do we start here? Verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered him, Here am I. Then he said, Behold, now I'm old. I do not know the day of my death. Now therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bows and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and bring, to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make it savory food for me, that I may eat it, and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command. Go now to the flock and bring me from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father, that he may eat it, and that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said, to, now he hadn't got, he hasn't in line for that special blessing. Understand this though. The blessing, every child got a blessing. But the firstborn got a special blessing. And that's what he's after. He's not after just the blessing. He wants the special blessing. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. Well, yeah, you will be. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went, got them, and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food, such as his father loved, then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then he gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Now, taking into consideration what I've already told you, he's, he wants Jake or Isaac to realize that he's the firstborn. He would get a blessing either way, but the firstborn again got a special blessing. I've done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, and eat of my game that you or your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to him, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he fell to him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him, and he ate, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Then his father uh, Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, 
Surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now notice the blessing. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's son bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Your mother's son, that would have been him. Because Isaac thinks this is Esau. And Jacob is realizing that in this blessing, he would be bowing before Esau. But since he's receiving the blessing, Esau is going to be the one that needs to bow before him. Now, it happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also made savory meat or food and brought it to his father and said to his father, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me. This has nothing to do with the firstborn inheritance. This is solely the blessing. And his father... Isaac said to him, who are you? So he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who? Where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him, and indeed he shall be blessed. I have given him the blessing of the firstborn, and since I've given it, I cannot retract it. When he, Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, bless me also, O my father. But there is only one blessing for the firstborn. But he said, Your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. If every blessing to every child was the same, it wouldn't matter. But Jacob got Esau's blessing, the blessing of the firstborn. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob, for he has supplanted me these two times. Now notice the distinction between the two. He took away my birthright, and now look, he has taken away my blessing. Birthright separate from blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isn't there even a small portion of the blessing of the firstborn for me? Can, don't you have a, a scrap? Is there something? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed I have made him your master. And all his brethren I have given to him as servants. With grain and wine I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your here's his blessing now. They all got a blessing, but his is different. Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live. And you shall serve your brothers, and it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now, that's interesting, too, that last verse, because when we get into the future, we see some things beginning to happen. But before I do that, notice that those people that missed the wedding Reception. Remember the five foolish and five wise? The five foolish came later and they wanted to winter into the, into the wedding feast. I think that's in the Gospels, probably Matthew. Can't we come in? No, you now desire to come in, but you allowed your lamps to go out so that when the bridegroom came, you weren't prepared. 
Because you allowed something as precious as the oil to be absent from your life, now when the bridegroom comes, you will be left behind. And there's no way that I'm going to allow you to enter in. Now this is sort of a message for the church. To have a lamp with a light, notice their lights went out. In other words, they had oil in the lamp. At one time, all ten lamps were burning. But five of the lamps went out because they were living like Esau was. Temporal, immediate things. Not focused on the future events, but focused on what's happening this week, this month, in my life. So that when the Lord came, they were left behind. Did he allow them to come back in once they came with the oil? No, he didn't. It goes along with 2 Thessalonians. Because they receive not a love for the truth, In other words, because they didn't love it enough to continue in it or to obey it. It goes two ways. Because they didn't receive a love to continue following it, but sold it, compromised it, let someone take it, God shall send them a strong delusion that they will believe a lie. That's for the church. But then again, there's another part to that too for the world. Because that when people were presented the truth and they rejected it, God will do the same. Because his word is truth. He's the light of the world. Light of the lamp. You know who I feel really bad for? I feel bad for the whole world but I feel especially bad for people that I have taught a Bible study to and I have spent hours with going over the truth that willfully get up and walk away. Because they receive not a love of the truth to obey it, God shall send them a strong delusion. Hey, can I let my ADD jump in a little bit? I was listening to the radio the other day. I can only listen to Fox News for maybe five minutes before I have to shut it off. But I try to do that just so I take it. It's almost like a toothache. All right, that's enough. There is a company in Wisconsin. Did you hear that? Chips. They want their employees to have chips. Yes, free of charge. Yes, that's quite a deal, isn't it? We're living in the last days. They laughed at us years ago when we talked about it this way. Oh, it's convenient. When you come to work, you don't have to hit the clock. You just walk through the door. But you know what? It isn't a chip. I think it's going to be a mark. Identification, it's either going to be right here or right there. But see, because people are not receiving a love for the truth, I think about how people that are Christians don't even know their Bibles. They are told to accept the Lord as their personal Savior and that Jesus has forgiven them and they're ready for heaven and they never get into the word of God to search it out. And some receive the truth, but then reject it. All right, let's get back on task here. So here we have one account where the younger is going to receive the the birthright and the older is going to serve the younger. Is that the only time that that happened in the Old Testament? No. No. The same thing happened with Jacob. Jacob, he was the one that got, was younger and got the blessing. In Genesis, the 48th chapter, verse 1 through 19, 
Joseph has two sons. Manasseh was older and Ephraim was younger. I don't know whether I'm going to read this whole chapter. I think I'm just going to tell you what happened here. Jacob claimed these two, two boys as his own two sons in that chapter. He says, I'm taking these two sons as mine. All children born to you afterwards are yours. Yeah, I, did, I, I hadn't seen that till I read it myself. Do you want me to read it? All right. Jim Imel's already over there, Googling it. <laughs> yeah, you don't get away much here with anything anymore. Genesis 48, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on his bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a multitude of people and give you this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. <clears throat> and now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring whom you beget after them shall be yours. Have you ever read that before? Yeah, you have. If you've read your Bible. He claimed them as his own sons. They shall be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from Paddan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Canaan on the way when there was but a little distance to go to Ephra. And I buried her there on the way to Ephra. I'm going to jump down a little bit. So Joseph brought them, verse 12, so Joseph brought them from beside his knees and he bowed down with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them, both Ephraim with his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right hand. Why are the hands important? Exactly. The right hand is always the authority hand. That's where power is given from. Jesus went and ascended into heaven and sat on the power side of the Almighty. Not a hand, but on the side of authority. Now we see that the blessing is coming, and Joseph take, is taking the older son, Manasseh, and putting him by uh, Jacob's right hand, and the younger son by his left hand. Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands, knowing from Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before uh, whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, let my name be named upon them and the name of my father Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth." Now when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the hand of, head of Ephraim, it displeased him. That wasn't right. Manasseh's the firstborn. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. In other words, I know exactly what I'm doing. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great, but truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. So let's jump back again. Israel's the firstborn, had the rights, but in a different dispensation, Things changed. There was another birth, a new dispensation of grace. 
Now the time of blessing comes. You've got the older son, Israel, and you've got the younger son, the Christian, the church. And so God now takes the blessing of the firstborn, and instead of leaving it rest upon Israel, he places it upon the church. And you shall receive power after Holy Ghost comes upon you. In other words, Israel was moved out of the way and the younger son was brought in. Well, Jesus said it himself. He says, he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist because those that are in the kingdom of God or in the body of the firstborn have the birthright. They have the blessing. All right, now I'm going to go on and I'm going to wrap this up with something that you maybe do not know. Do you know that um, at the time of Christ, I, I was trying to study out all the Herods, and I found out something I, I'd, I'd heard a long time ago, but I'd forgotten, that our calendar is all messed up. You know, we talk about Jesus dying in 33 AD. No, he didn't die in 33 AD. Herod the Great was, first of all, let me tell you about his heritage, was an Edomite. They call him an Idomanian. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Idomanian was a city in Edom. They called those that were Edomites Idomanians. So here we have a descendant of Esau sitting on the throne ruling over Israel. That's not right, is it? Israel was to rule over Edom. And so he's, uh, there's the perception or knowledge comes that there is a Jew that is going to be born who's been going to receive a birthright or power and once again restore it as it should be. He was Herod the Great. So what did he decide to do? He despised what was about to happen and tried to kill off the birthright. Remember Esau said, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob? so that the birthright could pass on to me? Here, Herod the Great hears that Caesar's a star in the sky, and they believe that star was, would have come about the time of, was it Halley's Comet? Back about 4 to 6 B.C. Well, anyways, he determines to kill all children two years old and under, according to the appearance of the star. Well, when you look at the writings of Josephus, Josephus records that Herod the Great died, and this is, this is pretty well clarified, about 4 BC. So that means if he died at 4 BC and Jesus was born, roughly two years before that, because he was killing all the children up to two years of age, that Jesus was not born at zero A.D. He would have been born roughly sometime between 5 and 6 B.C. Now, to some of you, that doesn't matter much, but it just goes on, goes to show you there's, there's so many things that just slip by us at times. So to wrap up, Everything I've said tonight, because I'm starting to see glassy eyes, is when Adam and Eve fell, they were playing, let's make a deal with the devil. He wanted their birthright. God had given Adam and Eve authority over the entire earth, higher than the animals. This was their earth. 
He stole their birthright by introducing them into, into rebellion, and the earth became in a type his. Now, when Jesus died, he paid the debt so that the earth could once again be passed back to its rightful heirs, which would be the church. How do you think the devil feels about the firstborn? He feels the same way about the firstborn as Herod the Great felt about the Messiah and Esau felt about Jacob. He hates all Christians, but he especially hates those that have the birthright. If you have the Holy Spirit and you're washed in the blood and you've been born into the kingdom of God, he hates you with a passion because you've stolen something that was once his. And you're the younger. He hates Israel. He hates the church. So how does he get what he wants back from you? He makes porridge. He makes different things that appeal to you, and he says, hey, let's make a deal. You don't need to go to church. Not right now. As a kid, I thought, I actually said this. I think I told me my brother talked occasionally. Boy, I think about how we were so opposite and how we fought and how we're so close together now. That in itself is a miracle. And I, we, had, we had talked about God, and we didn't like going to church, and we proved that when we would skip out of church and, and steal our parents' offering money and spend it at the grocery store. But I remember saying, why do people want to serve God now? You're young. Go out there. Do what you want to do. Have fun. Sow your oats. Other people have done it. And when you get to be old like they are, then run back into the church because you want to make sure you go to heaven. Well, who do you think's selling that bill of goods? Who do you think's telling people you really don't need to go to church to be a Christian? They're just hypocrites anyways. You don't need a church. You can serve God at home. He's the one that's wanting what you have. And I, I am closing. Do you ever sell something and then find out what the value of it was and realize that you really got ripped off? <laughs> I was not on, that, on the bad end one time. And I am, I'm going to stop by 10 after. It's eight minutes now. I'm watching. You can set your clock. But my neighbor, oh, I can't remember his name, he had a 59 Chevy. Picture a 59 Chevy with the wings on the back with no rust. It was built like a tank. And he was a drinker. And I was 16. And I lived right across the street from him. And one day he got snockered, which was quite often. And he was driving by the house and his car was banging and banging. And it stopped. And he got out and he kicked and he was cursing the car and yelling at it. And I heard him say, if somebody give me five bucks for this car, I'd get rid of it right now. You know what I did? I borrowed five dollars from my mother. And I ran up to him and I said, did you mean what you said? And he says, yeah. I said, here's five bucks. Well, to make a long story short, because i got a minute left, I brought the car, put it in the garage, and a neighbor of ours named Bob, he was a good mechanic, and he said, Steve, let's take the rocker cover off on this. I think a rocker arm's broken. It's, that's what's making the racket. And he said, I, I know why it stopped running. You can still run it with the rocker arm buster. It's going to make a racket. The tank was empty. 
he ran out of gas, and with the rocker arm and the gas, he thought the car was junk. Well, Bob slipped that rocker arm. I think that was a six-cylinder. I can't remember. He slipped that rocker arm. We put gasket stuff on and put it back together, and it ran. It hummed. Every time I drove by his house, I knew it really bothered him. Ask me if it bothered me. That's what you get for drinking. But anyways, don't let the devil try to tell you that what you have is not worth what it really is. Your relationship with God, that Holy Spirit that you have, is more valuable than the whole world put together in one check. Don't let the devil steal not only your birthright, but your blessing. All right, let's stand together. Remember, this thought just came to my mind. So I'm going to say it, because sometimes it means something. Remember what Jesus did for Peter? He says, whatsoever you shall be... <sighs> okay, somebody help me out. My mind just... Say it loud, okay? Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. Do you realize what he was saying now with the birthright? He says, I am giving you the authority to do things that no one else can. And you have authority. In my name you shall cast out devils. In my name you shall pray for the sick and they shall recover because that's the blessing of the firstborn and of the birthright. Cool. Do you have the birthright? I sure hope you know, for sure you do, because the world should be bowing down to you and reverencing the Spirit of God that's in you. Lord Jesus, tonight I thank you for the time we've had together. I'm so glad, Lord, that you can open the word up to us and show us things that we've heard before, but it's good to hear again. But Lord, help us to beware of Satan and his tactics how he's trying to steal from us something that is so precious. Help me to serve you with all my heart. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.